this little piece of writing, I think, really shows that um, there there is a lot of frustration um, mm. with with people who have been stolen from for for a long time, uh, and like a realization that that's a bad thing, and it doesn't have to be like that, and we should build systems that make this less of a likelihood in the future. Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor-based, so all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Max Hillebrand, welcome back to the What Is Money Show. Hello and welcome, Rob. I'm really looking forward to this round of our ongoing series. I think it's one of the lesser known, but one of the most uh, powerful pieces that we've read so far. It's going to be fine. Yes, very excited. I had not heard of this one until you made the recommendation. Um... And yes, we are continuing with the Crypto Anarchist series where we've been reading a number of, I guess, relatively obscure essays from Crypto Anarchist, um, largely in regards to making an uh, attestation for individual liberty over state power, something like that, I guess, is is the general theme. And the piece we're reading today is titled... Declaration of Separation, and in usual style, we will read the piece in full, and then we'll go through it piece by piece and provide some commentary. So with that, I will do the honors today. Title of this piece is A Declaration of Separation, and it is addressed to 
the governments and people of earth. We claim the right to exist and we will defend it. We do not seek to overthrow anything. We do not seek to control anything. We merely wish to be left alone. All we ever wanted was to live in peace with our friends and neighbors. For a long, long time, we bore insults to our liberty. We took blows. We did what we could to avoid injury, and we worked through the system to get the offenses to stop. That has now changed. We no longer see any benefit in working through the world, the world's systems. At some point, working within a system becomes cowardly and immoral. For us, that point has arrived. Regardless of the parties in power, their governments have continued to restrict, restrain, and punish us. We hereby reject them all. We hereby withdraw from them all. We hold the ruling states of this world and all that appertains to them to be self-serving and opposed to humanity. We now withdraw our obedience and reclaim the right to strike back when struck. We will not initiate force, but we do reserve the right to answer it. We did not choose this. It was forced upon us. To the governments of Earth, you are building cages for all that is human. In the name of protection, you have intruded into all areas of human life, far exceeding the reach of any Caesar. You claim ultimate control of our property and our decisions, of our travels and even our identities. You claim ownership of humanity far beyond the dreams of any emperor of any previous era. Understand clearly, we reject your authority and we reject your legitimacy. We do not believe that you have any right to do the things you do. You have massive power, but no right to impose it upon us and no legitimacy. We have forsaken you. We are no longer your citizens or your subjects. Your systems are inherently anti-human, even if all their operators are not. We are not merely angry young people. We are fathers and mothers, aunts, uncles, and grandparents. We are business owners and trusted employees. We are mechanics and engineers and farmers. We are nurses and accountants and students and executives. We are on every continent. This is not a burst of outrage. This is a sober de declaration that we no longer accept unearned suffering as our role in life. For long decades, we sat quietly, hoping that things would turn around. We took no actions. We suffered along with everyone else. But after having our limits pushed back again and again, we have given up on your systems. If our fellow inhabitants of this planet wish to accept your rule, they are free to do so. We will not try to stop them. We, however, will no longer accept your constraints upon us. From now on, when you hurt us, we will bite back. If you leave us alone, we will leave you alone, and you can continue to rule your subjects. We are happy to live quietly, but if you come after us, there will be consequences. You cause this because of your fetish for control and power. The chief men and women among you are pathologically driven to control everyone and everything that moves upon this planet. You have made yourselves the judge of every human activity. 
no god king of the ancient world ever had the power that your systems do. You have created a world where only the neutered are safe and where only outlaws are free. To the people of Earth, we seek nothing from you. We do not want to rule you and we do not want to control you. All we wish is to live on Earth in peace. As always, we will be helpful, helpful neighbors and generous acquaintances. We will remain honest business partners and trustworthy employees. We will continue to be loving parents and respectful children. We will not, however, be sacrificial animals. We reject the idea that others have a right to our lives and our property. We will not demand anything from you, and we no longer act we will no longer acquiesce to any demands upon us. We have left that game. We reject all obligations to any person or organization beyond honesty, fair dealing, and a respect for human life. We will shortly explain what we believe, but we are not demanding that you agree with us. All we ask is that you do not try to stop us. Continue to play the game if you wish. We will not try to disrupt it. We have merely walked away from it. We wish you peace. To those who will condemn us, we will ignore you. We welcome and seek the verdict of a just God before whom we are all we are willing to expose our innermost thoughts. Are you similarly willing? We would stand openly before all mankind if it were not suicidal. Perhaps someday we will have to accept slaughter for our crime of independence, but not yet. Your criticism and your malice are much deeper than mere disagreements of strategy or philosophy. You do not oppose our philosophy, you oppose our existence. Our presence in the world means that your precious ideals are false. Some of you would rather kill us than face the loss of your ideologies, just as those like you have either hated or killed every sufficiently independent human. You present yourselves to the world as compassionate, tolerant, and enlightened, but we know that your smooth words are costumes. Oh yes, we know you, servant of the state. Don't forget, we were raised with you. We played with you in the schoolyard. We sat next next to you in the classroom. Some of us even studied at the same elite universities. We watched as you had your first taste of power. We were the boys and the girls standing next to you. Some of us were your first victims. We are not fooled by your carefully crafted public image. What we believe. Number one. Many humans resent the responsibilities that are implied by consciousness. We accept those responsibilities and we embrace consciousness. Rather than letting things happen to us, avoiding consciousness, we accept consciousness and choose to act in our own interest. We do not seek the refuge of blaming others, neither do we take refuge in crowds. We are willing to act on our personal judgment and we are willing to accept the consequences thereof. We believe in negative rights for all, that all humans should be free to do whatever they wish as long as they do not intrude upon others, that no man has a right to the life liberty, or property of another, that we oppose aggression, fraud, and coercion. Number three, 
We do not believe that our way of life or any other will make life perfect or trouble-free. We expect crime and disagreements and ugliness, and we are prepared to deal with them. We do not seek a strong man to step in and solve problems for us. We agree to see to them ourselves. Number four, we believe in free and unhindered commerce. So long as exchanges are voluntary and honest, no other party has a right to intervene before, during, or after. Number five, we believe that all individuals should keep their agreements. Number six, we believe that honestly obtained property is fully legitimate and absolute. Number seven, we believe that some humans are evil and that they must be faced and dealt with. We accept the fact that this is a difficult area of life. Number eight, we believe that humans can self-organize effectively. We expect them to cooperate. We reject impositions of hierarchy and organization. Number nine, we believe that all humans are to be held as equals in all matters regarding justice. Number 10, we believe that the more a man or woman cares about, about right and wrong, the more of a threat he or she is perceived to be by governments. Number 11, we believe that there are only two true classes of human beings. Those who wish to exercise power upon others, either directly or through intermediaries, and those who have no such desires. Number 12. Large organizations and centralization are inherently anti-human. They must rely upon rules rather than principles, treating humans within the organization as obedient tools. Our plans. We are building our own society. We will supplement traditional tools with networking, cryptography, sound money, digital currency, and anonymous messaging. Our society will not be centrally controlled. It will rely solely on voluntary agreements. We welcome others to join us. We are looking for people who are independent creators of value, people who act more than talk, and people who do the right thing because it is the right thing. We will develop our methods of dealing with injustice built on the principles of negative rights, restitution, integrity, and equal justice. We do not forbid anyone from having one foot in each realm, our plans and the, our plans in the old realm, although we demand that they do no damage to our realm. We are fully opposed to any use of our realm to facilitate crime in the old realm such as the hiding of criminal proceeds. We expect to be loudly condemned, libeled, and slandered by the authorities of the old regime. We expect them to defend their power and their image of legitimacy with all means available to them. We expect that many gullible and servile people will believe these lies, at least at first. We will consider traps laid for us to be criminal offenses. Any who wish to join us are encouraged to distribute this declaration, to act in furtherance of our new society, to voluntarily excel in virtues, and to communicate and cooperate with other members of the new society. Free, unashamed men cannot be ruled. 
we are the free and unashamed and the unashamed. End of essay. Um, I think that's my favorite one yet. Yeah, right. It, it really hits home. I think it incorporates a lot of the previous ideas and uh, is, well, unashamed in stating obvious facts as, as for what they are. And I think that's what makes this a, a really um, great culmination of, of cypherpunk thought. It's fantastic. What At the end there, why why free and unashamed, do you think? What unashamed, do you think, you know, I think some implication the state has shamed people that want to be free, something like that? I, th I think that uh, Ayn Rand hit, hit this point home quite well as well in her writing, where uh, people who are productive tend to be looked down upon. Right? The, the the rich people of society, the, the businessmen, uh, the greedy capitalists. And so many people who, who do provide a ginormous amount of value to humanity are looked down upon for those acts. Right? Um, and uh, like Hank Reardon is, is always ashamed uh, and to some part of of uh, you know his, his productivity, um, and that doesn't really have to be that case. And 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 once the productive people are no longer ashamed for being productive, mm. uh, and instead uh, like unshamefully love the freedom that that they are born with, mm. then that makes them a, a quite powerful force. Uh, and I guess that's in part what what cypherpunks are, right? They mm. they write code uh, and. They just do it because they can and because they see great value in the code that's being written. Right. Yeah, it's really, I mean, people that are productive should be celebrated, obviously, because productivity is what's improving the prosperity of the human race, right? We're solving problems better, faster, cheaper, and all the things we've talked about in previous episodes. And that freedom to be productive begets more freedom. Right in the form of more options, higher standards of living, etc. Um, so it is unfortunate that there's any type of shaming of that. That's that's the exact opposite of what we would want. Um, should we go line by line on this thing? Let's do it. Um, now it starts with the the title, a declaration of separation, um, which is. I think an interesting twist on, of course, the Declaration of Independence, uh, both for America and for cyberspace. Um, with with this focus on separation being, I think, the crucial aspect of, um, we we want to not be associated with you anymore. Mm. Um, you know, a strong assertion of we've had enough, um, and we we want uh, to do it differently. Uh, and I think that uh, is a kind of reaches or, or displays a point of frustration. Like uh, where we've tried many different things, and and now we think we found technology that that works in 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 truly separating from coercion, uh, and uh, this is a, a declaration about that fact. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, definitely has the echo of the Declaration of Independence. Um, the the separation is this is like a separation of principles, right? Like people that want to operate on certain under certain principles of non-aggression principle, for instance, so self-defense, um, life, liberty, and property. It's that cohort of people declaring separation from any cohort of people that do not honor those principles, as I understand it. it exactly. 
man, um, that uh, there there is a, a righteousness to have such principles, and uh, that it is a good thing to to stand for them and work with people who who stand for them as well. Um, especially when these principles are about uh, individual sovereignty and 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 uh, choice, uh, and as is numerous times stated, um, this this is not just. Um, you know, declaring independence and, and declaring war on, on the other party of our, our, our ideas, our thoughts can only survive if, if we stop you from existing. Mm. And uh, the, the, the boat, uh, you can, you know, keep doing what you do and we do something else over here. Uh, uh, we wish you peace, uh, is, is one of the lines, um, to, uh, to, to not, uh, have a need for, for us to interfere in their system anymore. We're simply opting out. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I have a highlight a little ways down in the first section. I don't know if you wanted to maybe read the beginning parts and we could do some, I don't remember. Do we go line by line or do we just go highlight to highlight? I thought we went line by line. Um, yeah, well, uh, line by interesting line. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, and, uh, there, there are a couple of sections, um, you know, each addressed to different parts of, of humanity, uh, and the first to the governments and the people of Earth. So, more, more general introduction, um, uh, and that we claim the right to exist and we will defend it. Right? The, the right to exist uh, is is the human axiom. Right? Humans exist, humans act, um, and, and they argue, and and that is. Uh, just how reality is, and 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 it's a good thing uh, that we exist. Uh, we have the right to exist. It's not a wrong thing to exist, and uh, uh, and therefore we will stand on defending that and making sure that that things are right and that people are are, are left alone. Yeah. Uh, while also echoing that we don't want to overthrow anything. Right? The uh, the right to exist means that other people have that right equally. Uh, and and so interfering with someone else's existence and overthrowing their will uh, is is something that we're not interested in. Right. Yeah, a little further down, um, I'll read the excerpt and then ask a question about it. So, uh, in that first section, addressed to the governments and the people of Earth, author writes. Regardless of the parties in power, their governments have continued to restrict, restrain, and punish us. We hereby reject them all. We hereby withdraw from them all. We hold the ruling states of this world and all that appertains to them to be self-serving and opposed to humanity. We now withdraw our obedience and reclaim the right to strike back when struck. We will not initiate force, but we do reserve the right to answer it. We did not choose this. It was forced upon us. This um, just got me thinking about the nature of social institutions that it seems like the core problem is, the. I guess the idea of a social institution is to create a set of rules that bind all participants equally in that social institution, right? It's like, the classic idea of equality in the eyes of the law, that we're all equal in the eyes of the law, as an, an example. But the problem is social institutions are composed of human beings, and those that are running the institution 
tend to eventually engage in some arbitrary, uneven, or asymmetric application of those rules, right? The classic rules for the not for me situation where, you know, maybe a a judge or someone else is on the inside of the legal system is giving favorable treatment to family members or whatever, whereas he's not giving the same treatment to uh, other people that have in, infringed on the law. And so I guess the the this is another way of saying perhaps that the best way to construct a social institution is to make them resistant to such uneven application of rules. Right. You want it to be ideally you want people again to be binded universally with whatever the rules are, applied to each one evenly. And the only way that to my knowledge to do that is to have decentralization. Right. You need to have the the less centralized the rule making apparatus is or the power of the decision making within a social institution, the more resistant it is to these arbitrary changes and the asymmetric or uneven application of rules. So therefore, decentralization decentralization is almost equivalent to keeping a social institution free from corruption. Uh, I'm just sort of thinking out loud here, but if if that's correct, then obviously Bitcoin is like, oh wow, that's the the mother of all decentralized organizations, and that's why it's so important, right? You have a social institution that we're actually equal or all equal in the eyes of Bitcoin, so to speak, and that's not true to my knowledge, of any other social social institution in history. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that means that the set of rules cannot be broken for those people who have agreed to the set of rules. Mm. If you run your Bitcoin full node and you've agreed to the set of rules, the Nakamoto consensus, then nobody can stop you from reaching the conclusions that your software will reach. Uh, but likewise, if if you do want to change the system, you can. And, and 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 you can paint whatever aspect you want uh, and run that software it is your right to do and most likely uh, you you will have you know changed one critical part of the system and now in, instead of forcing other people to use that system as, as you see fit uh, instead you fork off you run whatever you want to but other people will will simply ignore you and and not do business with you or not build connections to you uh, so a, a Bitcoin is a decentralized system in the sense that there is no monopoly, right? Nobody can can stop you from providing an alternative system and from leaving the existing status quo. And this is a, a crucial part of Bitcoin that, that will make it more likely to succeed in the long run. So that's, I mean, that is the ideal of a democracy, basically, right? It's, I, maybe I'm saying this wrong, but and well, maybe it's not democracy. It's the ideal of if you don't agree. What do they said said earlier? We're going to create a world based on agreements. If there is a disagreement, then you just, as you said, fork off into your own society or your own group, and yeah. that's fine. That's okay. That's freedom, right? That's what you would want. And then people have options. Well, do I agree with this rule set or this rule set? And you can just go participate. Obviously, in Bitcoin, it's a little different because. Well, money has this kind of winner take all thing, right? There's one money is more valuable than multiple monies. So you we would expect Bitcoin, you know, all the forks of Bitcoin sort of go away in the long run. I think most people would expect. But um when you apply that ethos to social institutions, that's great, 
because you get you get innovation basically in social institutions. Like if this rule set's not working for you, well, then you can fork off, change the rules, start your own, and maybe you can campaign other people to join you, and maybe you create something that's valuable for people. Um, but the state inhibits that, right? Like, we, you know, the fourth in a U.S. political democracy, the fifty-one percent tyrannize the forty-nine percent via the vote, basically. Whereas a more ideal situation would be the forty-nine percent would fork off into their own thing, right? So you could ro- resolve disagreement through separation, as the title to the essay implies. Yeah, exactly, and it's all. Uh hinges on the point of voluntary and consensual interaction. Mm-hmm. And in, uh, that, that means that uh, a, a democracy in the sense of a 51% gets uh, gets to choose the outcome, uh, that is simply not a, a, a suitable way. Right? We want everyone to agree. Uh, and that seems a, a more difficult system to build at first, right? because how could we ever get everyone to agree on something? Um, but, but on the other hand, when there are tools and technologies available to to foster and secure those individual choices, uh, then we have a greater success at coming closer to something that would you know resemble a free market in the sense of all actions being voluntary. Yeah, yeah, very simple idea, but very difficult to implement. I guess that, and that's where the decentralization matters once again. Um, okay, I have another excerpt down in the section which is addressed to the governments of Earth. Author writes, understand clearly, we reject your authority and we reject your legitimacy. We do not believe that you have the right to do the things you do. You have massive power, but no right to impose it upon us and no legitimacy. We have forsaken you. We are no longer your citizens or your subjects. What is the massive power they're referring to here? Is this just the the military industrial complex, like the actual uh, you know apparatus of physical and political power? I I think it is here in in, in two aspects mentioned for for the namesake of your show. Let's start with money and the, the to have digital control over a base money as all current fiat currencies are handled is in an unbelievable power that Caesars of old would only have dreamed of. Right back in the days, if you're the central bank, so to say, you get to do some coin clipping and uh, adding some you know other metals into your gold coins, etc. And, and that might give you, you know, very slow uh, inflation that, that actually costs you uh, and, and is not as profitable and, and takes a long time until it, it reaches out to multiple people. Right? Versus nowadays, uh, at, at the click of a button, trillions of dollars can be printed uh, and allocated across the entire uh, you know, system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that means that uh, the extraction of wealth via inflation is, is much more powerful. And, and of course, all Bitcoiners know this. Uh, and I think on the other hand, it is about uh, privacy. Uh, nowadays, a, a, a single person or a small group of, of government officials can uh, spy on, on every citizen uh, of, of its jurisdictions and most likely even in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And with uh, the uh, quite bad state of, of end-level privacy and, and security, where uh, especially a couple years ago, 
uh, where encryption was very much not a, a standard. Uh, to, to spy on people has just become extremely cheap uh, and, and extremely scalable, uh, which, which is a, a huge problem, right? In, in the past, again, spying on other people's conversations or other people's business uh, required physical manual labor and quite a lot of biblical energy that had to be uh, overcome to, to move mass across space uh, and and find out all of these things in all open political letters and such. Whereas now, uh, we're, um, yeah, all of this is done digitally and can be replicated on, on always online servers and databases of, of trillions of terabytes of data. Mm. Um, yeah, there uh, the extent of power of the of the thieves is definitely increased. Yeah, that's a great point. So this really emphasizes the double-edged sword nature of technology, right? Mm-hmm. It's what's enabling this systematic violation of private property via inflation, taxation, this surveillance state. These are all products of, you know, information technology, I guess to use a real broad term, but also under that rubric of information technology, we're getting these other things like encrypted messaging, Bitcoin, internet, these tools for liberty. So this declaration of separation, again, it comes down to the principles, but it's the principles being implemented in the tools, right? Like someone, one cohort of people is trying to use information technology to control other people. Whereas another group of people is trying to use information technology to liberate individuals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, that's also where it's then important to have like a reasonable assessment of the, 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 the efficacy of tools, right? Are these actually useful tools? And as, as mentioned as earlier, uh, to quote you, you claim ultimate control of our property and our decisions of our travels and even our identities. And I think that to the last point where this is so interesting that um, identities have always been a a liquid and, and fluid relationship among two or, or more individuals mm-hmm. uh, and cannot be dictated by outside authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just around the time of, of the First World War, uh, passports were introduced as a, a state mechanism of, of, of registering individuals and tying them lasting identities, um, uh, mainly to prevent spies across borders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as, of course, a temporary measurement, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, passports were introduced. Uh, and, and to this day, uh, your your identity to, to the largest extent uh, is tied to uh, these type of documents, like your passports, your driver license, etc. Uh, where, of course, know your customer services and, and other uh, mechanisms to track individual uh, actions are are rooted in. Um, so this this is a a big problem uh, that the government have cl- have taken the right to issue and manage identities, where this is something that 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 should be much more more local in the control of individuals. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's great points. Yeah, it's centralization, decentralization again, right? Tools that enable decentralization versus tools that enable centralization and that is the I mean this is the struggle this is as old as human time I guess right? it's like power to the people versus power to the state if you are a business owner or manager you should know these three numbers 36,000 25 and 1 
36,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, which allows you to streamline accounting, financial management, human resources, and more. NetSuite turns 25 years old this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days rather than weeks, and to drive down cost. And finally, one, because your business is one of a kind. So with NetSuite, you get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. NetSuite is everything you need all in one place. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash whatismoney. That's netsuite.com slash whatismoney to get your free KPI checklist. Again, netsuite.com slash whatismoney. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technologies. iCoin has released a free software update for all existing wallet holders that includes a secure messaging feature called Chamber. With the Chamber upgrade, you can send text messages with all the security benefits of a cold device. With wallet-to-wallet encrypted messaging, there is zero chance of a message being decrypted by a snooping third party. Chamber's encrypted messages can only be created and read on an iCoin wallet, which means messages are never seen in plain text on a hot device. You can use any messaging platform to send Chamber encrypted messages. Even if the messaging channel is compromised, your messages will remain uncrackable. You can now generate and store your message encryption keys on a cold device. This means you become the central authority and your encryption keys are never seen on a network connected device or kept in cloud storage by a third party. So why not protect your private communications like you protect your Bitcoin private keys? Pick up a few iCoin chambers today for friends, family, and coworkers. With the iCoin Chamber, your privacy is built right in. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Um, okay, I'm going a little bit further down, still in the section, To the Governments of Earth. Author writes, From now on, when you've heard us, we will bite back. If you leave us alone, we will leave you alone, and you can continue to rule your subjects. We are happy to live quietly, but if you come after us, there will be consequences. You caused this because of your fetish for control and power. The chief men and women among you are pathologically driven to control everyone and everything that moves upon this planet. You have made yourselves the judge of every human activity. No god-king of the ancient world ever had the power that your systems do. You have created a world where only the neutered are safe and where only outlaws are free. This reminded me of one of my favorite passages in Atlas Shrugged. Uh, It comes from Francisco's money speech, and Ayn Rand writes, Then you will see the rise of the men of the double standard, the men who live by force, yet count on those who live by trade to create the value of their looted money, the men who are the hitchhikers of virtue. In a moral society, these are the criminals, and the statutes are written to protect you against them. But when a society establishes criminals by right and looters by law, men who use force to seize the wealth of disarmed victims, then money becomes its creator's avenger. Such looters believe it's safe to rob defenseless men once they've passed a law to disarm them, but their loot becomes the magnet for other looters who get it from them as they got it. 
Then the race goes, not to the ablest at production, but to those most ruthless at brutality. When force is the standard, the murderer wins over the pickpocket, and then that society vanishes in a spread of ruins and slaughter. And I just saw a lot of overlap between those two passages. Um, that again, we're just trying to establish principle or standard of human interaction. And if that standard is made to be physical force, then the incentives are basically to be as brutal as possible to win the game. And this declaration of separation is proposing the libertarian alternative to that, right? Consent as the standard by which humans interact rather than physical force. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, to, again, going back to Atlas Shrugged, where uh, all of a sudden the productive people simply vanish and, and, and leave mm -hmm. uh, the, the world behind. Um, right. That's that is separation. That is their separation. And it is also the, the best way to bite back against such a system, funnily enough, right? Just separating and saying, leave me alone and I will leave you alone takes away all the power of the parasite because the parasite is nothing with without the victim that that is needed to lead capital off right uh, so when when entrepreneurs and and uh, yeah, yeah businessmen get to the point of not uh, of being hurt so much by the the bureaucrats and and having so many things thrown in the way of actual progress uh, I think there comes a boiling point and, and a breaking point uh, where people simply uh, well separate uh, and, uh, and and no longer work within a system that definitely works against them, uh, and this is uh, something that in, in Atlas Shrugged uh, led to well a lot happier businessmen once they were in, in John's Gulch in in a separate realm, uh, secured uh, from looters where they could actually uh, trade um, among themselves really, and uh, that that is a good world. And that's sort of what this decentralized digital world represents, right? This, this Galt's Gulch in digital space, right? We can transact in Bitcoin. We can communicate anonymously. Um, there's a set, there's an actual separation created via cryptography, basically, that people can separate themselves from those that would otherwise prey upon them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, that th that is, is also such a peaceful outcome, right? Because if if there were not a way to to escape and de-escalate and and go separate ways, then the only alternative is either full dominance that that one group has to overthrow the other and uh, and enforce its own ideas on the other, mm -hmm. uh, or or just everlasting conflict among uh, multiple groups. Um, but because cyberspace opens up infinity <laughs> to do the power of 256 bit numbers like that's, that's huge right? there is so much space for everyone um to uh, to to use these this realm right we, we have uh, plenty of compute power available to to do all types of magical things uh bitcoin included mm -hmm. yeah well said it's interesting that 
Yeah, just, we've always we talked about this on the Hodel Hang podcast. So humanity, I've just, they've just been running away. Like human history could be defined as this running away from tyranny, right? Like a place gets established and someone comes into power, they start to tyrannize their subjects, and their subjects exit and create a new society. Someone comes to power, tyrannizes the subjects, subjects exit. It's like we kept largely running west, right? That was even the foundation of the United States. Basically, it was running from the tyranny of uh, the British Empire. But we ran out of west to run toward, right? We, we've encircled the earth. We've inhabited the whole thing. And now we have a, a new wild, wild west in the digital do- domain. And that's it's very exciting. Not something that kind of hard to get your head around in a way it's like a brand new space that isn't actual physical space but you can do all of these things that we do in physical space there better right in a way that's much more aligned to like a libertarian ethos um yeah it's yeah really exciting yeah exactly nevertheless we 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 are still inhabiting a planet and we, we need to do with the the environment on the planet as well as the people on the planet and yes well, the the next part of the passage is titled to the people of earth yes and the highlight i have there is we reject the idea that others have a right to our lives and our property we will not demand anything from you and we will no longer acquiesce to any demands upon us we have left that game We reject all obligations to any person or organization beyond honesty, fair dealing, and a respect for human life. This term game, it's, uh, I think it can be perceived as if it's trivializing things, but I think it's actually a really good way to describe these ways of, of, facilitating human cooperation, coordination, interaction. Because in games, there are incentives, right? There's ways to score points. There's certain strategies that work. There's rules, like all of these things that exist in the real world, again, markets and entrepreneurship. And I think it's a great analogy for describing the importance of Bitcoin. It's like if if money is the points in the game of economics, right? It's like, if you solve customer desire or customer want better, faster, cheaper, then you score points, right? You earn profits. That's the world you want. You want a world where people solving problems get paid. But we have a world in which people creating problems also get paid, right? People coercing and stealing from others. So this idea of Bitcoin being like a, just making that process of scoring points through stealing less possible or less profitable people can score less points through coercion and violence than they otherwise could is really just an interesting analogy it's like they they say here we're leaving we're leaving the game like that's basically what you're doing when you sell your fiat currency for bitcoin you're leaving that game of coercion and violence and you're joining the game of consent and and cooperation basically yeah bitcoin is the perfect example for this uh, type of mindset right like you know, remember Ron Paul? Like he was all about ending the Fed, reforming the Fed, mm-hmm. and and changing the system from within, and spent an enormous amount of energy on on trying to to do just that, uh, and ultimately achieved very little, unfortunately. 
Yeah. Um, versus Satoshi realized that, that no, we we don't need to force our opinion on to others uh, that that cannot work. We, we we need to find a system that that is newly created where everyone agrees to, mm. uh, and that that is what Bitcoin is a, a new consensus on what the the, the new money should be, mm. uh, and that is something that is playing out in front of our eyes, right? A a, a new voluntary emergence of something as as critical and as complex as money. Mm. Yeah, it's well said. It reminds me of, I think it was Buckminster Fuller said something like, you don't change things by tearing down the old, but instead focusing your energies on creating something new. So mm-hmm. Ron Paul, God bless him, you know, like he brought that idea, right? The problem, he emphasized the problem of central banking to a lot of people, brought it to a lot of people's consciousness. I, I applaud the effort, but I also agree that it's like, what does Jeff Booth always say? Trying to fix the system from inside the system. Like it doesn't quite work. You need to, you need something that's outside or tangential to the entire thing that is disruptive to it, basically, right? It's like there's a better solution. There's a better money. There's a better social institution over here. People will just, out of their own self-interest, they will migrate into it rather than trying to tear down the old system and build something new and force the migration. That's just, it's it's much more difficult to accomplish. Um. Also reminds me of Hayek's sly roundabout way, right? Like he really thought money would never be fixed until by some sly roundabout way, we introduced something that the state could not stop. And so all of these things, these old quotes, they really lend themselves to Bitcoin in an interesting way. Um, I have another excerpt. I'm down under the section to those who will condemn us, the author writes, you present yourselves to the world as compassionate, tolerant, and enlightened, but we know that your smooth words are costumes. Oh yes, we know you, servant of the state. Don't forget, we were raised with you. We played with you in the schoolyard. We sat next to you in the classroom. Some of us studied at the same elite universities. We watched as you had your first taste of power. We were the boys and girls standing next to you. Some of us were your first victims. We are not fooled by your carefully crafted public image. And so again, this, I like, a superficial reading of this essay, I think you would imagine a group of people talking to another group of people. But this seems to be a bit more principle-based or spiritual in a way that I don't think this essay is specific people speaking to specific other people, but it's rather speaking to this line, the line that cuts down every human heart, right? Between good and evil. Um, sure. I mean, I guess too, they're talking to people that have walked the wrong path, but it, this whole essay rings to me much more about that principle. Like it's speaking to every individual. It's like choose to walk. What do they say? There's two wolves within every person, right? And depending on which one you feed is the one that grows. It's like an invitation to feed the wolf of righteousness or the wolf of goodness that, that does the right thing and doesn't seek to gain at the expense of others. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's There's like two layers to this essay. I think it's very interesting to read it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And and also then that, that we would like to be around people who feed uh, the good wolf instead of the bad one. 
and that uh, uh, this is also a very powerful aspect of of yes, it's it's not just about each and every one of us getting our act together, but also that it is a lot more doable and a lot more fun to do that with with like-minded individuals who are down on the same path. And and this is why separation is again key uh, to be able to split into small groups, tiny groups, right? To to fill all types of niche interests and passions uh, that that want to be uh, continued and 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 lived. Uh, by the select group of people, uh, that that is something that is is possible when when we separate, and and, and to the people who condemn that to uh, or like to, to people who condemn a small niche, that niche can just ignore the people who condemn them, and likewise, uh, the people who condemn others just ignore them. Um, you can mute the people online that that mm-hmm. you don't care about, uh, and and just delete their content of your local PC. But it it will not be possible for you to um, to to stop other people, even if there are niche groups, uh, from expressing themselves and living their their rightful life. Yeah, the whole live and let live idea just made possible, right? Through through these tools. Um. Okay, I'm dropping down to the section titled what we believe where the author enumerates a number of things uh that they believe and i i guess my first comment i wish the word believe it's okay it's not one that i've liked historically because i think beliefs there's this idea of beliefs is just whatever you have formed in your mind but the that belief if to the extent that belief doesn't inform your action then it doesn't really exist or matter. Like someone, I don't know, says something silly like, I believe in private property rights, but then they don't hold Bitcoin. It's like, well, your actions speak louder than your words, right? You could say you believe in something, but if you're not actually holding, and res- you're holding the thing that's the ultimate form of private property that's disenfranchising the thing that violates private property, which is the state, then your your actions sort of betray your words, if, if that makes any sense. So, if we understand belief as that which informs action or that we act as if something exists, like I, would, I like Jordan Peterson's answer when people say, hey, Jordan, do you believe in God? He goes, no, but I act as if he exists. It's like action is superordinate to belief. But if we understand the word belief here as what the what we are enacting, then I think it's it sounds, it makes more sense to me when I think of it that way. But Anyways, that's my own struggles with belief. Number two, the author writes, we believe, which I would say like we act as if we believe in negative rights for all, that all humans should be free to do whatever they wish as long as they do not intrude upon others, that no man has a right to the life, liberty, or property of another, that we oppose aggression, fraud, and coercion. I mean, that is really the crystallization of the whole piece right like this is liberty i think libertarian philosophy in a nutshell um yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that particular entry yeah it's it's definitely the the cornerstone right that uh negative rights in the sense that uh you you can do anything but a certain amount of things which is violate the property of others mm-hmm. uh, and that is is a very 
obvious uh, set of rules that works um, and, and that we can prove logically that they that they work and that we can experience in reality that they work. Mm-hmm. Um, try, uh, you know, acting out the other side. Go for, for an entire day and, and break private property as much as you can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as viciously as you could and, and see how far that gets you in life. I, I don't think you will provide a couple hours with rigorously breaking private property uh, principles and in, in your daily actions. Uh, so I think that the something that is, uh, is a very obvious, uh, rallying cry. And it, it's like similar with, with Bitcoin, like, um, you know, there's, there, there's certain aspects that just make sense, like, uh, cryptographic signature, um, Bitcoin just uses it because it's a, a reasonable mathematical principle. Uh, and I think likewise is, is the non-aggression principle and it, mm-hmm. it exists. It's part of reality and we can deal with it or, or choose to ignore it. Uh, but ultimately we have the, uh, the, the ability to just act in accordance with it. And, and that will be a much more fruitful, uh, collaboration with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, this, I mean, it's so, so obvious in one domain where if you, we talk about consent and dating or romantic affairs, I think pretty much everyone universally more or less agrees that you, to have a good romantic relationship or even a friendship for that matter, it needs to be consensual, right? You can't force someone to date you or force someone to be your friend. That's like so abundantly obvious, I think, for most people. Maybe there are exceptions to that. I can't think of any. Yet we don't apply that same logic to the domain of economic transactions, right? Like, why would why would consent be so universal in the, these social bonds of friendship or or romantic relationship? How, why would that not apply to economic relationship or commercial relationship? You know, why? How would you ever justify a lack of consent in that domain? It doesn't. I don't know. It just seems this word obvious is very dangerous. Like, there's some things I just think appear so obvious. I'm like, how does everyone not see this? But here we are. Like we we spend hundreds of hours talking about it, reading about it, going through it. Um, so I don't know. I don't like how do you get the importance of consent into people's minds? Like what do you, have you found any avenues that are especially fruitful? Well, um the one I think is uh on, on one level it's about acting on such uh, principles um, that the living these principles will hopefully be a good signal for others to follow. Mm-hmm. I think that the type of integrity is, is something that uh, a lot of Bitcoiners uh, spice to. Uh, and then the other aspect is to make it cheaper uh, to, to follow these principles and more expensive for them to get broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically make it a better UX. And uh, if, if we build technologies that are better designed to maximize for, for individual freedoms, then it, it will be more scalable and more people will be able to, uh, yeah, to use these ideas and, and these technologies. And I think Bitcoin is a, a great example of this. It, it has decreased the cost of, of protecting your money and your capital substantially. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, made it a lot easier for people to to do it, and and then people started using Bitcoin just because it's it's easy, and and because a lot of other people do it, and only later do they realize the consequences 
of all of a sudden having property uh, that that cannot be touched by others. Mm-hmm. Uh, this then you know initiates that chain reaction of, of just character change that you know, people seem to experience after first being exposed to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here, Bitcoin is a great uh, Trojan horse of of getting people hooked on on what it means to be free. Well said, uh, and that's point well taken too. Like to spread the message of the importance of consent, you need to obviously embody that, right? You need to be the be the change you wish to see in the world, right? So don't coerce, right? Don't allow yourself to be coerced. Like basically, stand firm in your demand for consensual inter- interaction on in all domains of your life. And then I, so that's the personal aspect, right? Like the, the, from the inside out, but then there's also from the outside in, which is really a, I think a focus on incentive design, as you said, make it cheaper to follow those principles, make it more expensive to break them. And again, this is where Bitcoin shines, you know, it just makes coercion in general, less, a less profitable strategy, right? It's harder to, to steal through, through coercion. Um, yeah. yeah, and also though, I think then the the next point three uh, that that says that their life is not perfect uh, or, and it's not trouble free, as well as point seven then that says that some humans are evil and and we do have to deal with them. Uh, and I think what's what's so great about uh, cypherpunk and libertarian philosophy is that these realities of life are are not just ignored as as mm-hmm. uh, you know in in some way the the world will be perfect and we'll have some utopia. Um, where where everything just works flawlessly? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, there there is uncertainty. There is scarcity of resources and and conflict over how to allocate scarce resources, mm-hmm. and and so there is always potential for trouble, uh, and there are people who initiate a lot of trouble. So we need to deal with that, and the way to deal with that is to empower the individual, uh, to give uh, users the ability uh, to protect themselves uh, fully. And, and cheaply and, and easily, because then that makes it not, uh, that, then that makes the lives of the bad people a lot more difficult. Right. And, and we get to protect a larger amount of people uh, from, you know, being harmed and the consequences of, of better defense technology then is a larger extent of, of the free market. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I guess I might have slight pushback on some humans are evil. Like again, I see I view it much more as the we all have the capacity for good and evil within us and we can choose in any moment to do what is right and good, you know, in accordance with life, liberty and property, let's say universal respect for life, liberty and property, or we can choose to go against that, which is something more malevolent, something more like evil. So I I just think there's a danger there when you say some humans are evil, like some humans are good, some humans are evil, that there's just, you start thinking in these static holes, like there's a group of good people in the world and a group of bad people in the world. Like, I don't think it's quite like that. It's like, you can choose, you may have done some evil things in the past, but you can choose to redeem yourself and vice versa, right? You could have done a lot of good in your life and you could choose to start doing some evil stuff. Um, So again, it's back to that personal integrity, accountability, and also the incentives that people are operating within. That seems to be the only way to tilt the scales, I guess, in favor of goodness and away from evil. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also a lot of people who, who think that they are doing good are in fact doing bad. Uh, yeah. And, you know, these, these types of biases and self-deceptions are quite difficult to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, especially in, you know, the, the, the trends of, of times. Uh, you know, with, uh, for example, the Nazi, a lot of like Nazi prison guards who, who right. or soldiers who did atrocious war crimes, um, thought that they're, you know, doing yeah. just fine and dandy. Yeah. And that is uh, quite interesting how, uh, how one can mislead himself, uh, like, like that to yeah. extent. Um, and always a good, you know, time to, to ask if, if you're the one being misled, like maybe Bitcoin sure. is a horrible idea <laughs> and, and we are. Uh, ushering in a, a new surveillance uh, society, mm. where uh, you know, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, but it's it's a, it's a good uh, question to ask. Is it the criteria though? I mean, again, maybe I'm just looking at this too narrowly. But it's like, are you violating life, liberty, and property with this action? Yes or no? Like, if the answer is no, then it's probably good. Like, if you're I mean, maybe it's neutral. I don't know. Maybe it could just be like a neutral, inconsequential action. But if it's not violating life, liberty, or property, and you, as you said, I think this is platonic, right? Everyone only does what they think to be good. That's like, it's the restatement of praxeology that all human action is an expression of value. People are going to do something because they think it's going to improve their situation, right? That's why you get out of bed in the morning. That's why you eat. That's why you exercise. Whatever the thing is, like you're doing it toward some end. However, even in the attempt to do good in that sense, if you're violating life, liberty, and property of anyone else, well, then that person that's being violated, that victim is going to perceive your action as evil. So isn't that the primary criteria? It's like, if you want to know if you're off course, well, like take a serious look at your actions and say, am I violating life, liberty, and property of anyone? That should be a pretty strong indication of whether you're on track or not. It's definitely the best indication that I've found so far. Yeah. It's, it's like a very simple and clear-cut rule that seems to work in, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, and even in, in a, even quite edge cases. So it's, it seems to me a very useful guideline uh, to, to live by. Um, and, uh, you know, in part because, or, or, or how to live by such a guide is, is then answered here in, in point four, five, and six, right? That uh, commerce, uh, exchange voluntarily and, and, and trade and, and and do so honestly and uh, uh, you know uh, stick to your agreements and, and keep your agreement and uh, that honestly obtain property is is fully legitimate and which all of these things are are uh, re- required for uh, free trades to to be there and, and, and to flourish mm-hmm. uh, and a, a market will be a lot better if there are ethical and, and moral actors therein, um, mm. and th- therefore fostering a culture of of you know private property is is important uh, because that will make us all more productive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's maybe too abstract for people. Maybe that's why it's hard to get this principle embodied. I mean. But I don't know. It, again, it's another one of those things that seems very clear. Like if you focus on life, liberty, property as the criteria, you can discern if you're doing good or not. But maybe that's a little bit too abstract for some people to internalize. I guess then uh, don't steal. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, 
the one principle that is, uh, you know, yeah. everyone kind of gets it. That's so true. That's yeah. yeah. When you properly conceive of, you know, your body is your property and your life is your property, you know, that just don't steal. Right? Yeah. Any way of saying like, mind your own business in a way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just take care of yourself and don't intrude on others and don't steal from others, basically. And that's, that's how we have social harmony. One of my highest health priorities is keeping my brain in top shape. To take care of my brain power, I do many things, such as striving to read, write, exercise, and meditate daily. One of the latest tools in my brain power toolkit is MindLab Pro. MindLab Pro is a nootropic supplement that is scientifically proven to enhance your brain power. When I take MindLab Pro, my mind feels like it has a better grip on the world, my thinking is more lucid, and the articulation of my speech is much more clear. MindLab Pro has been tested in rigorous, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trials and has been proven to enhance brain power for users in every age group. MindLab Pro is an advanced formulation of 11 nootropic ingredients and is backed by research from 1,473 human trials conducted over a period of 32 years. So if you're looking to start enhancing your brain power, MindLab Pro is an excellent solution. Go to mindlabpro.com slash breedlove to start enhancing your brain power today. Again, that's mindlabpro.com slash breedlove. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a crowdfunding platform for paying medical expenses in lieu of an insurance policy. CrowdHealth recently announced that it is integrating lightning payments with Breeze's Lightning SDK. In the United States, we spend more than twice the average amount of money on healthcare than other developed nations. Medical costs are one of the leading causes of bankruptcy in the United States, and it is not a secret that the medical system in the U.S. has many, many issues. The CrowdHealth model is based on offering an alternative to the conventional insurance policy at a cheaper price point. For a monthly membership fee of $50, CrowdHealth will negotiate medical bills to get the cheapest price possible, help locate healthcare providers, offer access to their member crowdfunding service, and more. Prior to the Breeze integration, CrowdHealth had been functioning over traditional fiat payment rails, which introduced unnecessary transaction fees and delays in settlement. By integrating Lightning payments into the CrowdHealth business model, payments between members can now be made with near-zero fees and with final settlement occurring in mere seconds. So go to joincrowdhealth.com breedlove today to sign up. Okay, I'm looking at number nine. Again, this is we're still under the list of what we believe. Author writes, we believe that all humans are to be held as equals in all matters regarding justice. Uh, Again, I think the quality of outcome, totally bogus. Humans are only equal in the grave, right? You're never going to have equality of outcome. The world is very, uh, what would you say, heterogeneous, right? Everything's different. There's different outcomes. People are all, you know, no one's all, everyone's not going to be a plumber, for instance, right? You need plumbers, you need executives, you need teachers, you need all these different uh, areas of, of specialization. For instance, you need people of, you know, different sizes, skills, et cetera, to, to kind of make the world operate. Also a quality of opportunity, which is, this came up in a more recent conversation with Svetsky, like that one's kind of bogus too, because no one's born in the same place at the same time to in the same level of wealth same status, same health, you know, on and on and on. Like basically everyone's born with a unique opportunity set. 
And then that opportunity set changes over time. So there's no no such thing as a quality of outcome or quality of opportunity. I think those are both just farcical notions. But equality in the eyes of the law, right? Ideally, transparent and unchangeable rules for everyone to play by, right? Such that the game, the, the play is peaceful rather than rules that are mutable and changeable then people will start to fight over who gets to control the rulemaking apparatus. That's a disaster, right? That's back to what Ayn Rand said earlier about when force becomes a standard. So equality in the eyes of the law, I think, is an ideal state. And I don't think there's been any better implementation of that than Bitcoin, right? That people are actually all equal in the eyes of Bitcoin. There is zero discrimination, prejudice, or misapplication of rules like everyone's equal and and in the eyes of bitcoin so to speak um i'd love to hear what you think about this this idea of equality and and how it pertains to justice yeah exactly it's it's that there are these are universal rights right rights that that are applicable to everyone at all times and at all places Mm. Uh, universal rights or natural rights do not change uh, simply because we're on a different side of the planet, or simply because a couple hundred thousand years have passed, uh, they are uh, you know, constant, um, well, constants of nature uh, that mm-hmm. that humans have been subject to all the time. And because of these constants of nature, humans have flourished to what we what we have now. Right? There's uh, it's quite remarkable that, that we have found reason to be this useful, and that. Uh, collaboration has has been incredibly useful for for us as a species on, on long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this just means that uh, in in terms of when you're doing something correct or when you're doing something wrong, uh, th- that aspect is constant and and uh, the same for for everyone because it is a part of of nature. Like physics is the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. Something we've hit on a lot, right? To have a social institution or system of rules that has the integrity and universal applicability of something like physics, that's an ideal. And that's what Bitcoin is. So interestingly, kind of rooted in physics to achieve that too, right? Bitcoin roots into physics through proof of work energy expenditure and then it gives us this rule system that has physics like integrity and and applicability and universal application or even application whatever you want to say that's really fascinating um yeah yeah exactly and and you know as you say that uh, just like bitcoin is equal for everyone because math is equal for everyone right right the the cryptography that bitcoin relies upon is is just numbers and and math and these are ideas. They are non-scarce. They don't belong to anyone. Yeah. And nobody has more of a privilege of using any number than anyone else has. Uh, that is what it means to be held equal in regards to justice, because everyone has the just right to use numbers and logic and math uh, right. to perform whatever you want, and including to calculate signatures and hashes and other beautiful cryptography stuff. It's The integrity word is very fascinating. Because you get this, and, and to your point with math too, like these are the universals in a way, right? Like it's a universal language. Math is a universal language. Physics is the laws of the universe, basically. And then, so you get 
incredible integrity in the socioeconomic system, or the, just say the economic system of Bitcoin, by virtue of being rooted in the integrity of physics and mathematics, and that it inspires the development of personal integrity in people that really go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, right? These people starting families, you know, focusing on health, family, community, business. And it's that integrity seems to be the through line that's really interesting. You have like physical integrity, economic integrity, and then personal integrity all facilitated by this one innovation. And that is quite mind-blowing to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think uh, the part 10 here is, is very interesting in context of Bitcoin as well, that, that those who care really hard about uh, the, the true and, and bad things, um, uh, that they are a, a great threat uh, by uh, to the state. And uh, I think Satoshi was the perfect example there. Of. Uh, he was, was very vehement in saying that the, the fiat monetary scheme is bad and uh, wrong and that it should be replaced uh, or, or superseded by a, a much better system. Um, and that's, I think, why Satoshi chose to to be anonymous, um, because he understood the the immense uh, threat of uh, you know saying to the government very clearly that no, uh, printing these uh, ungodly amounts of money is, is not okay, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's why Satoshi only stuck around for you know a short period of time, uh, and uh, well, certainly good that he did so, um, and yeah, this is. I think you know, part of that cypherpunk ethos, um, we, we can use the technologies of, of encryption and, uh, and, and sell money now, thanks to Bitcoin, to build uh, useful tools with, without revealing our identity or without sticking there around to, to manage the upkeep of the system, because we have decentralized systems that, that just run on them uh, for themselves. Mm. Yeah, great point. Um, and yeah, cementing the decentralization of Bitcoin too, right? The disappearance is, I think, a, a key component to that. And again, back to the importance of decentralization, you're not going to have a system that's resistant to corruption unless it's decentralized. So Satoshi's disappearance was really kind of a, it's a big component of the decentralization, I would say, at a minimum, um, especially the social layer, right? Like if he was one guy running around, then... Uh, it would be a lot easier to run a PSYOP or something against Bitcoin and say this thing is not what it purports to be. You know, look at this guy. Here's Here are his personal flaws and failings. And it would just, it was it would diminish the decentralization narrative for Bitcoin, I think, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you, Satoshi, and please don't come back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read an excerpt now. This is down into the last section title our plans author writes we welcome others to join us we are looking for people who are independent creators of value people who act more than talk and people who do the right thing because it is the right thing now the question i had written down here was how do we define the right thing but i'm thinking we may have hit on that earlier with the life liberty and property right like if your actions are in accordance and not aggressing against anyone's life, liberty, or property, then it's probably you're in the right wheelhouse of the right thing. 
Um, what are your thoughts about the right thing? Yeah, I, th I think we can define it apophatically in the sense that the, the right thing is anything that's not wrong. And mm -hmm. uh, finding what a wrong is is much easier. And mm -hmm. it's, it's anything that violates property. Uh, and that, that we can define neatly. And then doing whatever is right, uh, it, you know, very broadly defined. Uh, and I like how Peterson put this too of, of um, don't lie or at least, uh, 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 sorry, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm -hmm. like, you, you might not be able to do something that's, that's fully right, I think uh, all, all, all perfect and virtuous, but at least do something that is less harmful, less, less, uh, less thievery than, than otherwise would be. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, that's great. That's great. So it simplifies it, right? You're back to do not steal, which is like, that's basically the right thing. Whatever you're doing, as long as you're not stealing, then you're probably doing the right thing. Stealing yeah. broadly construed, obviously. Yeah. And I wonder though, if it's enough, right? If, mm -hmm. if that baseline is all that we need for, for ultimate flourishing, right? Or if there's something that is, yeah. is, is more than just, you know, there, there's a difference between doing something that's at least not wrong, but that's far away from being great. Mm. Uh, uh, so there is still probably something that is needed to differentiate and pull us higher more towards that direction. I think we hit on this in one of our prior discussions too, to the point you just made, lying isn't technically stealing, right? Like Rothbard says, it's okay to lie, but you and I, actually it was in our Ethics of Liberty series mm -hmm. because we were going, well, that doesn't seem right. Like lying is clearly not ideal. So like, what, how does, how does that fit into the libertarian ethos? Um, you know, it's, it's justifiable if someone's coercing you, right? The guy kicks in your door, where's, where are the jewels at? Well, you probably lie to him. That's fine. But in general, I, at least intuitively, ethically, it doesn't seem like a good thing, but it's not violating the do not steal principle. So what, there is something else there, right? There's some gap. We even tried, or I made a, an attempt, I said like lying is something like stealing from your future self because you have the truth comes out eventually. You're going to pay that price at some point. If not you, then someone. So you're hurt. Someone's going to get hurt eventually by that lie. Um. So maybe I don't know. I don't know how you connect those dots, but there is a gap there. Yeah, that uh, that is a really tricky question, and, and I, th I think uh, you know Hoppe is is uh, trying to we you know tackle this issue at uh, Austrian uh, economic science and the Austrian method. Mm -hmm. uh, with, with the argumentation axiom mm -hmm. uh, basically being needed in order to have, have a, a full sense of, of morality. Um, so I think it, it is very interesting to, to see if, if, uh, if not stealing is, is enough. Um, I would definitely be curious if, if there's another simple principle or even a, a more fundamental principle that more you know, holistically encompasses everything within just one set of rules. Yeah. Um, you know, but to not steal seems good enough so far as a single rule to follow. And if we can further condense it, that, that would be cool. I would offer another viewpoint on that, that I think a lot of the lying is motivated by stealing. The lying is used as a means to the end of stealing, right? That's what propaganda is 
that's what mainstream media bullshit narratives are, right? You know, whatever. For, Marxism, from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Like, that's a lie, right? It's not even possible to do that. And yet it's used as this cover story for for theft, right? For Marxism, for the abolition of private property. Um, what else? Nobody is safe until everybody is safe. The pandemic lie, right? Used to print $6 trillion and do all of this nonsense, right? To steal. So maybe if you diminish the opportunity for stealing or you make stealing more expensive, difficult, risky, then you would diminish the demand for lying. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I guess also, you know, something like uh, cryptography to some extent, like, you no, know, you can only spend Bitcoin if you know the no private key. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, th that means anyone could spend bitcoin if he would just lie to people hey i know the private key mm -hmm. right but ultimately we can build systems where it's like sure you can tell whatever you want but prove to me mathematically right. Right. that you know the private key and uh, until you prove it like or if you prove it then i know that you're not lying because right. you're just conclusively proved to me that in fact yes you do know this private number yeah. and uh this uh, is I think why cryptography and crypto dynamic systems are so so interesting, um, because because they rely on mathematics and mathematics are true, mm -hmm. and there you will have a clear differentiation and the impossibility to lie uh, about functions. That's a great point. That for a lie to work, the person that's being lied to needs to trust the liar, and if the ethos of Bitcoin don't trust verify is introduced to the extent that it can be, well, then there's no opportunity to lie, right? Because you have to verify. So it's what uh, don't trust verify reduces the attack surface of lying, something like that. Like mm -hmm. very, yeah, it's interesting. It's a philosophical thing, almost metaphysical in a way, because it's the system itself is not lying. And then it's also somehow imprinting the, those values into people, right? That, oh, I don't, well, don't trust verify, then you can't even lie to me. It doesn't work. So therefore you won't do it because it's not a good means to an end. Mm -hmm. Back to that integrity thing, right? Like Bitcoin has this interesting physical physics like integrity and then it inspires personal integrity or incentivizes personal integrity. Fascinating. Um Yeah. yeah. One one of the next parts I really like here is uh we do not forbid anyone from having one foot in each realm, ours and the old realm. Uh, and I think that's fascinating, right? That we we want to separate from from the looters and and, and do our own things and and be uh, peaceful and voluntary and productive. Mm -hmm. uh, however, there's a lot of people in in that first realm of violence and and coercion, and a lot of people means division of labor, and it it large amounts of capital that can be allocated to solve quite difficult problems. So, it would be quite restrictive. To work only with peaceful people, if the entire world has, has gone mad and and stealing from each other, uh, and and that that means that it is, it would be unwise to you know have a system where where you need to be within one realm entirely, um, because that is a lot more difficult, a lot more complex, um, and again we would you know have to 
make a, a firm decision and, and, and stick through with it. But, but on the other hand, uh, reality is that we have the ability to go in and out of these two realms uh, more or less frequently, right? where, where you can work in, in a realm of coercion uh, with you know, government licenses and, uh, and, and registrations and, and, and taxes and inflation um, you know, for part-time. Uh, and then on the other hand, escape into a more free society to you know do some other part of your life, uh, like raising your children or having side hustle, etc. Um, these are you know, things that that are not bad things, right? You you can uh, it, it is better to be a little free and and to be sometimes in the second realm of voluntary interactions rather than never be there, right? And and be in the PF Blake society the entire time. Uh, so it it does make sense as a strategy to occasionally put on the the mask of, of being part of the the fiat realm while then building up a a fallback mechanism in in the second realm mm. interesting yeah so you can't well you can opt out of the game to a large extent but not entirely right like you're still going to participate in the fiat economy no matter what, right? No matter what you do, I guess, unless you completely move into some self-subsistent situation, if you're transacting in dollars or, or participating with a dollar economy or any fiat economy, you're you're still in the game a little bit, right? Even though you're, you may have taken all your purchasing power out of the game, you may have, you know, anonymized yourself, et cetera, et cetera, but you're still there to some extent. So that's, um, yeah, that's a reality I think we ha- we have to consider. Yeah, and uh, there there seems to be a tendency a, a trend and tendency towards the the second realm. Like, and I think Bitcoin is another cool example of this, where you know people buy a couple hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin at the beginning, right? A small percentage point of their portfolio, and mm-hmm. and uh, throughout time, because well, Bitcoin is in in the freedom realm, where where number go up, uh, and people get wealthier because we create more wealth and, and more value, uh, then then Bitcoin, you know, was all of a sudden fifty percent. 90% of their portfolio simply because that is where all the value was created. Right. Uh, and, and so if you, you know, play that out repeatedly, uh, this means that people who, who even start with just dipping in their toe in, in the freedom society will, over the long run, uh, spend more and more of their portion of, of capital and energy in, in the free society because it is simply better. Yeah. I think that's a great place. Um to bring it to a close, is there anything else you wanted to hit on um, in the essay here before we wrap up? Yeah, um, I guess the, uh, the the to back to the what we started with: free and unashamed men cannot be ruled. Uh, with I think a, a great uh, realization uh, of people who, who know that they are free and who are not afraid of of being free, people who know that they can be productive and create value. And who are not ashamed for being productive and creating this value? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are you know, the the men that that uh, hold up the world. Uh, they they are Atlas, and uh, if these people shrug and declare independence from a mm-hmm. realm of nature, uh, then well, the the world shakes uh, because mm-hmm. the of the world has been stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this little piece of writing, I think, really shows that. Um, there, there is a lot of frustration um, mm-hmm. 
with with people who who have been stolen from for for a long time, uh, and like a realization that that's a bad thing and it doesn't have to be like that, and we should build systems that make this less of a likelihood in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think going to a, a great culmination of 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 this path and the quest of the cypherpunks that we've known through all these four or five episodes really uh, I think dissected quite quite nicely um that uh we, we have realized that that we are free and we are no longer ashamed uh, yeah. for the power that we have and that means now we can build and and we can build some quite beautiful things with uh, things like encryption and anonymous uh, uh identities and now sound money uh, the things that can be built with these building blocks is is astounding, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you, there is no a fully separated second realm in cyberspace uh, embodied by uh, endless amounts of people on, on every continent, in, in every sector, every gender, and every race. People who, who work diligently and, and tirelessly on uh, making this this free realm a, a reality, mm-hmm. and you can join us if you want. It is it is a pretty fun endeavor to to be a part of. Yeah, and I mean, very inspiring. And you are a person doing that, right? You are participating in this building of tools for the atlases that that hold up the world. For people that might be listening to this and feel inspired, and they want to engage and they want to participate, like, what is it like? How does it feel? to be doing what you're doing right at, at Wasabi and elsewhere, like the tools you guys are building, adding value to people's lives, enabling uh, productive people to be more productive, you know, to keep the fruits of their labor, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you just speak maybe from your personal experience of actually participating in this philosophical enterprise of, of making people more free. It's it's certainly a, a fun and wild ride, and I think we've a lot of us have experienced this with with Bitcoin already. So I think very relatable uh, that it, it it just feels good, <laughs> and uh, it it feels right with with uh, interesting problems uh, that that need to be solved. But uh, there's an, a very good reason why these problems need to be solved, uh, and, and with, with a good why you can bear any help, yeah. um, and, and that is. I think something that's that's really fun, um, a, a, a very like a tough challenge that uh, that is uh, achievable though. It's it's like a nice dopamine hit, mm-hmm. you know. And um, also the people whom you meet along uh, that, that path is is quite fascinating, mm-hmm. um, especially when when you know you you contribute for for a longer time. The the recurring relationships that you build are are quite fascinating and and really interesting because bitcoin seemingly is attracted or attractive to to people with with some amount of integrity and it seems to mm-hmm. to give those people more integrity as, as they continue to be exposed with with, with these ideas mm-hmm. um so it's it's an just fascinatingly interesting bunch of people to to work with um and uh, so so just for for that aspect it's it's a bunch of fun that's great. Uh, Max, man, thank you for doing this. As always, you've recommended another brilliant piece. I, I really think this is my favorite one so far. Um, just 
cuts to the chase and has a very actionable game plan. Um, so yeah, thank you. I look forward to, to doing another one. Um, where can people find you on the internet? And I think you said too, Wasabi's may launch something new recently. I don't know if you want to plug that. Yeah. Um, we have, I agree first of all, that this is, a, I think the, the best part that we've written so far, it's a great culmination of everything that, that comes in you know, all the way from, uh, Ayn Rand and Mises, uh, to Eric Hughes and Timothy May. Uh, and another like this this is really a great culmination um uh, and i think it, it comes after the bitcoin white paper as, as well mm-hmm. uh, so uh, very very cool of, of how far the cyberpunks have, have built and how far it has adapted um and and to wasabi yeah we we uh, are continuing to build in in the spirit of, of building tools that that work and right? the tools that are right and tools where individuals are protected and cannot be stolen from um, from from nobody, and this uh, to to increase the cost of attack so substantially that any attacker is deterred from from even attempting, uh, and uh, that that's a really fun endeavor. Um, and in part to this is uh, the the problem of you know traversing the two realms uh, with uh, being in the Bitcoin realm, you you know are are free and, and you can work with with, with good entrepreneurs. However. There's a small number of them, right? And there's a lot of good that you would love to have that are only for sale for fiat currencies, you know, by by some vendor that that needs to KYC you, etc. Mm-hmm. So for this, we recently released in, in Wasabi Wallet a buy anything button, uh, which uh, hopefully bridges those two realms, uh, where uh, you you click the button and, and you have a chat interface where you type in exactly what you want to have, uh, you know that. that uh, can be a, a new laptop or a Bitcoin miner or, or some clothes or uh, airplane tickets uh, or, or a hotel room, um, a, a car, like a license plate, all, all of these things that, that you could buy. Um, uh, just type in whatever you want and, and where you want to deliver to. And uh, a, a team of uh, you know personal agents will, will go and, and deliver uh, these goods and services wherever you need them. And you pay them in Bitcoin the most uh, high quality money of cyberspace uh, and that ensures it's a it's it's a good and high quality service yeah. that's cool so wow that's really cool and that's just on Wasabi Wallet Wasabi website where does that where do people tap into that tool so, so it's inside Wasabi Wallet uh, because it actually uses all of the or not all but many of the things that make Wasabi so great like like for example uh, Tor and, uh, each time you create a new order, uh, we use a new Tor identity uh, so that uh, the uh, your IP address is protected and, and, mm. and they don't know exactly from which laptop or, or country you're, you're making this request. Mm. Uh, and that also two requests are you know from are, are not easily tied to each other. Um, and secondly, uh, we want to ensure that the Bitcoin payment is private as well. And so uh, it is within Wasabi because there we can ensure that uh, the payments are private. No, and, and when you buy whatever you want to buy, that they don't know things like what is your total wallet balance, etc., or what were the last payments that you've made. Mm. Um, so, uh, therefore, it's it's bundled just inside Wasabi Wallet, um, and that's uh, a pretty cool experience to to use your now private Bitcoin thanks mm. to Wasabi. That's awesome, Max. Man, thanks again for doing this, and uh, I will look forward to the next one.
Yeah, likewise, Rob. Thanks for the invite. And thanks very much, guys, for listening. See you around. Bye-bye.